0: Right. you see the three keys to the heart. I have noticed, as I've done evangelistic meetings through the years, that you may send out 40,000 brochures and you may only have uh, 15, 20 people come from the community. Why is that? Why don't we get 40,000 people respond? <laughs> people that are ripe. People that are searching, as actually the Apostle says, there are many who are looking wistfully towards heaven, waiting only to be gathered in. Those people will be there, but the vast majority of our neighbors, our work associates, our friends, couldn't care less about Bible prophecy. But guess what? God has given us some keys to the heart. I want to introduce you to the four types of soil are you acquainted with the parable in Mark chapter 4 we're not going to take time to look this one up we're going to look up some passages but remember there was a parable told Jesus told it and I can just imagine in my mind's eye while he was telling this parable there was literally a sower out there on the hillside broadcasting the seed The Bible says a sower went forth to sow seed and some fell on the packed pathway and it didn't get anywhere. Some fell on stony ground. It germinated, but because of the stony ground, it never took root. Others fell on shallow soil and it took root and it started to grow well. But remember what took over? The thorns. And then others fell on good soil and produced 40, 60, and 100-fold. Now, here are the four types of soil. The hard ground, the stony ground, the thorny soil, and hallelujah, there is fertile soil out there. What we have to do is to discern where people are at. This symbolizes, folks, that people are a different stages of their spiritual journey. There are different levels of receptivity. Have you noticed that? Have you ever uh, tried to talk about spiritual things with someone and, man, you get a, you get a, a hand up like that. <laughs> you get a stone wall. I uh, was on a flight Thursday. We uh, had to fly, Dr. Parker and I had to fly to Charlotte. And it's always interesting. I always, Lord... Help me to, you know, if someone's ready to talk, let's talk. And sometimes you you get the hand up. And sometimes, yeah, let's talk. I sat by a young lady that had a a doctorate in in pharmacy. And uh, very interesting. She just wasn't about pushing pills. She was into preventative medicine. We had a very, very interesting talk. So she was ripe. We got to talk about a lot of things on that flight but there are different levels of receptivity, different types of ears, And I like to use this angle scale it's called. Look way out to your left, that negative five stands for antagonistic. Some people will never come to evangelistic meetings, not yet, if you invite them. Don't talk to me about religion. Other people, other people are resistant Others are indifferent, others are receptive, and some people are seeking. Now, depending on where a person is at on their receptivity scale, we witness to them accordingly, right? I had uh, a neighbor back in Portland where I lived. He was antagonistic, Bill. He lived at the end of our country lane. He was 95 years old, and he had never been to church a day in his life. He had uh, five gravel trucks and he hauled gravel all over the county. Sometimes I would just go over there and shoot the breeze with Bill. How you doing, Bill? And uh, sometimes at Christmas time, we'd go sing Christmas carols or maybe take him a little loaf of bread. Was Bill at that point ready for Bible studies? Nope, nope, he wasn't. So we witnessed him accordingly. But then uh, there's a guy by the name of Todd And he called me up one day and said, Hey, Pastor, my wife and I, I've I've been a former Adventist. My wife is no kind of believer. Would you be interested in giving Bible studies to us? We'd like to know what Adventists believe. Where was he on the receptivity scale? Seeking. Seeking, exactly. Here's the beautiful point. God has given us keys to the heart. Even an an antagonistic person who's not ready now, if we use the keys to the heart, they will someday become ready through the power of the Holy Spirit working through the keys. So here is the open, closed door. Again, the antagonistic, the door is shut, barred, double-bolted. Again, the seeker, the door is wide open. Tell me about good things. All right, let me Hasten ahead. There we go. We're going to look at three keys to the heart. Regardless of where a person is at on their receptivity scale, these three keys will begin to work. All right, see what the keys are prayer, friendship, and service. How hard is it to pray for people? It's not hard. how hard is it just to be a friend? Not hard. I've made a little pack myself. If I ever, if I ever step out of my house or drive into my driveway and I see one of my neighbors out in the yard, I'm, I'm, I I'm going to go over and talk to them. You know, even if we're a shy introvert person, we can do that much. Hey, how's your week been? All right, and service. It's not hard to do acts of kindness to bless people. Let's go through these keys quickly because I sincerely believe, people, we are getting ready for a harvest meeting October 18. What is that, about two months away or so? September? Eh, less than that. Six weeks away. So we need to be using the keys to the heart right now. Prayer, intercession, it's interceding for those around us. God put a prayer burden on my heart. I've been praying for Jerry next door, Jerry and Cheryl. And there's also Sean and uh, Gail that live on the other side of me. And we need to start praying for people. Remember Abraham? What happened when he prayed? He interceded. Remember, he interceded for Sodom and Gomorrah. Lord, if there's just 50 righteous, will you spare the city? God would have spared it. He worked down to ten. There weren't even ten righteous. We need to be praying for unbelievers around us. Moses, he interceded for the idolatrous Israel as they made the golden calf. God was ready to... Moses, you and I are going up, but these are a stiff-necked people. God, please blot my name out before you take them out. A type of Jesus type of Jesus Daniel he interceded 70 years were almost up and he saw a lack of repentance on the part of the people and so he stood in the gap and prayed and Elijah he prayed for wayward Israel there was a mighty victory on top of Mount Carmel what are these biblical narratives telling us pray does prayer make a difference Yes, it does. It makes a powerful difference. The greatest example of intercessory prayer is Christ. Take your Bibles. Look at Isaiah chapter 59. Isaiah chapter 59. Boy, I love this passage, Isaiah 59, the whole context. You know, in verse 2 it says, uh, Your sins have separated me from you. And, you know, God's people were in danger of eternal loss. And verse 16, I would have different ones read, but uh, I want you all to hear. So verse 16, you got it? He saw, Jesus saw, that there was what? No man and wondered that there was no what? Intercessor. He looks out across the land of Israel. Israel is about to be destroyed because of their waywardness and Jesus saw no man, no woman, no youth that was standing in the gap in behalf of wayward Israel. He said, I'll be that man. Actually, this goes back further than that. Jesus saw that the whole human race was headed for destruction. He said, Father, I'll become that man. I'll stand in the gap. And so Jesus left the courts of heaven, became a man, and He hung on Calvary's cross, literally between a fallen human race and a holy God. And He took my sin, He took your sin, He became that intercessor. And guess what? When we enter into this thing called prayer, we're partnering with Him in this thing of intercession. All right, let me share just quickly a rude awakening I had. I remember when I got out of Southern Adventist University, Judy and I were married. We were ready to head out into this thing called ministry and turn the world upside down. And I got into Birmingham, Alabama, where I was an intern under a seasoned pastor. And I was Pathfinder Director and started giving about 20 Bible studies. And we ended up having an evangelistic meeting. And I was going to show the rest of the pastors how it was done. A little bit of arrogance there starting out. I had a few things to learn. And six months into this experience, the wheels fell off. I was working, putting in the hours, but nothing was happening, and one day after seeking to give a Bible study to a lady down in Sylacauga, Alabama, she wasn't home for the third week in a row, and that was the straw that broke the camel's back. I drove into the Sylacauga church parking lot, pulled in under a shade tree, rolled my window down, and I just cried, said, God, what's wrong? How come? It's not coming together. I'm putting in the work. I'm exerting myself, Lord. I'm giving studies. Nothing's happening. And I read a passage, 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 2. Look at that. 1 Timothy chapter 2. All right. I just have to have somebody help me read. Just read with your preaching voice, okay? Who has it? Do you have that? 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verses 1 and 4. Therefore, I exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. It desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Okay. So first of all, Paul says to that young intern, Timothy, if you want a successful ministry, first of all, do what? Pray. 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 You know what? That hit like a dagger in my heart. Because first of all, I was given Bible studies and having evangelistic meetings, and I I wasn't praying. And what kind of power will prayer have, according to verse 4? God desires that all men be what? Saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. When we begin praying, people get saved. And then even save people that don't know the full truth. They will come to a knowledge of the truth. So we're having evangelistic meetings starting here October 18. What do we need to do? We need to Pray. Because this is a golden opportunity for your friends and your work associates and your neighbors to come here. And your invitation will be a lot better than a handbill in the mail. Mail out handbills, but invite them. God says if we're praying, they will be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. So that is a powerful, powerful thing. Um... I don't know names here, but you have a good, strong voice. Read this off the screen. Let the workers grasp the promises of God, saying, Thou hast promised, ask, and ye shall receive. I must have this this soul converted to Jesus Christ. Mm. Medical Ministry, page 244. Are we grasping the promises of God and saying, God, you have promised. I must have my neighbor. I must have my work associate. Please come through. And so we talk about making out a 10 most wanted list. And I got a copy for you. Uh, I will give it to you at the end of the sermon. All right? I've got 70 copies of those. So you can make out what I would urge you to do. You're going to get this sheet, it's going to look like that on the left, and put down the names of three to five to ten people. Keep writing if God puts more names on your heart. Be praying for those people between now and October 18, that He will save them and He will bring them and bring them to a knowledge of the truth. All right, so what's the first key? Intercession, prayer. The second key is friendship, friendship. I like to compare friendship to something. If you have a UPS truck, let's say you're a driver with the brown uniform on and you got the big box truck, and you have a valuable package. We just passed a FedEx truck on my way here this morning. They're out busy today, even on the weekend. You have a valuable package that you need to drop off at a home or business on the other side of a river. That's the key detail. Now, you've got a state-of-the-art truck. You've got a valuable package. But what do you need in order to successfully do that drop-off? A bridge. Do we not have a valuable package? The most valuable package in the world. But look, folks, we have to have a bridge to people's hearts. And I believe that bridge is called friendship. Friendship. I don't know about you, please forgive me if uh, if you're a telemarketer what I'm about to say won't make you happy. Judy, what do I do when a telemarketer calls? No, thank you, bye. <laughs> I steam and fume and fuss and A lot of times we come across like a telemarketer unless we have a Friendship with that person if we're just there pushing literature or whatever now there are people that are sincerely seeking and you can go uh, you know you've never met them before and they're gonna accept and I believe there's a place for door to door knocking on doors but how much better if you're a friend and you say look I found something you mind if I share how I found the assurance of eternal life I found this promise this morning in my reading We're having a series of prophecy meetings at our church. I would love for you to come. So that friendship is like the bridge. All right, here's what research says about the top influencing factors. They surveyed hundreds of Adventists to find out what was the top influencing factor that brought you into the church. Here's what they found. Number one was what? Avenus Home, praise God for Christian. Hey, Mike. How you doing, brother? All right, that's one of my students. Christian witnessing class. Yes, sir. Uh, Avenus Home, praise God for Christian moms and dads. What was the almost neck and neck was what? A friend or relative. Wow. And then books and literature was close, behind. And then public evangelistic meetings had a powerful effect too. Here's what I believe. Public evangelistic meetings and Bible studies is where people tend to come to the place of a commitment for Christ. But that first contact is not the meeting. first contact is a friend. You are the first line of defense. You are the, the bridge to their heart. Your genuine concern for them will just open their hearts up to spiritual things so they will want more. Bible studies was close to evangelistic meetings. Alright, we're not going to take much time with this, but do you remember Matthew the tax collector? Jesus said, follow me, and he followed. And the very next time we read about Matthew, he invites all his buddies over. Well, I imagine they were his IRS buddies. He had an IRS party at his home. He wanted them to meet his newfound friend, Jesus Christ. And so friendship can be a powerful bridge. What does it say of Jesus? Matthew 11, verse 19. Let's look that one up. Matthew 11, verse 19. And I need someone else. I'd like to hear you participate. Matthew 11, verse 19. And read that with your preaching voice. All right? who has that one? Matthew 11, verse 19. Please. What was the customary practice of the scribes and Pharisees towards tax collectors, sinners, winos, prostitutes? What was their customary practice? Hands off. off. It It was the unthinkable to go under their roof. You just don't do that. Why did they accuse Jesus of being a glutton and a a wine-bibber, you think? Was he a glutton or a drunkard? No. No, but guilty by association. He hung out with who? Why did he hang out with the wrong class? Let's look at Matthew chapter 9. Matthew 9, actually turn back a page or two. Look at verse 11, 12, and 13. Someone else read 11, 12, and 13 of Matthew 9. All right, is that Matthew 9, 11? Matthew chapter 9, verse 11. Chapter 9, verses 11 to 13. Yeah. Boy, maybe I'm in the wrong place. Are you... Yeah. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto his disciples, Why eat at your master with publicans and sinners? But go ye and learn what that means. I will have mercy and not sacrifice, for I am not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. Yes. Yeah. All right, so the scribes and Pharisees were livid disciples. How come your master hangs out with the wrong people? And and Jesus overheard, what was his answer? Does a doctor hang out with well people? A doctor hangs out with sick people. I've come to call sinners to repentance. So we as Adventists tend to be in a bubble, right? I remember when we moved into Pace, Florida, and uh, it was a new development. There was about 70 homes that would eventually be built. Right across the street, Catacorner, Craig and Belinda. He had a big, long ponytail. Uh, he he was Cajun. They liked to eat crawdads and critters. You know, barbecue pork. And my idea of a Good Friday evening was the Heritage Singers and uh, haystacks. <laughs> His idea of a good Friday evening was slightly different just a little bit different so one day I went over and just said hey I'm David we got acquainted we started talking and and I remember uh, they said hey this weekend we're going to have a, a barbecue why don't you come on over I didn't say a thing, I went back home, talked, had a little talk with Judy, and and my first tendency was, no, let's just avoid all this, right? I'm so different from this guy. But then I thought, what an opportunity to build bridges. So I had a little talk with Craig. I said, Craig, I'm one of these weird vegetarians, you know, And uh, I would love to come. Would it be all right if I brought some grillers and so forth and sodas and we'll come on over? He said, sure, come on over. So later we had him over to our house and we invited him to church. He even came to church. I'd like to tell you that he became an Adventist. That didn't happen. But it was very uncomfortable to step across the street and go to That barbecue. But you know, we as Adventists, Jesus stepped across the street. He stepped across the large expanse of the universe to come hang out with us. If we want our friends and neighbors to know Jesus, we've got to make contact with our friends and neighbors. Right? So, that's what that story is all about. We went through that. Here's a great one. Someone read Ministry of Healing, page 143. Mike, would you be willing to read that off the screen? Sure. Uh, Jesus mingled among men as one desired disability. He mingled. Here's another one. Uh, someone else read this one that hasn't read yet. so why did Jesus hang out and go to their feast and go to their weddings and da 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 so that he might gain what Access. access to the heart aren't we talking about keys to the heart you ever tried to get in a locked door it doesn't work unless you got a key we will never gain access to that person Starting with literature and Bible studies without first the key of friendship. All right? Lots of good, uh, ooh, ooh, I hit something wrong. Was that me or y'all? We can keep going off our sheets. Okay, who has a sheet I can borrow? All right, good. Oh, you got it. Okay, there you go. Let me back up. This is the third key to the heart. Let me make sure I'm at the right place. All right, we talked about that. Let's uh, quickly, how do you build relational bridges? Well, first you have to initiate contact, right? I told you the story about Craig and Belinda. We have to get out of our comfort zone. Then we uh, discover interests, concerns, and needs. I remember stepping across the street and meeting Susan. She was a new neighbor. This was in Portland, Tennessee. She went, had gone through a divorce, her business had gone belly up, her photography business, and she was really burned out on religion. But as we began to share, um, one day I remember her saying, man, I got stung with 20 yellow jackets. I was mowing my five acres on, on my riding lawnmower, so I went up there with my gas can. She was a single mother. Another day she moved a trailer in behind the house So her biological mother could live there. And it left an unsightly seam through the lawn. And so I covered that up and seeded it and drawed it. And Judy began to sense she wanted to drop about 20 pounds. So they started walking together and working out at Extreme Fitness. And so you initiate contact. You discover interests, concerns, and needs. And you respond appropriately. And then you can engage in some shared activities. Uh, we would invite Susan to come to church. She said, nope, not ready for that. You ever had, had that kind of response? Nope, nope, that, not ready for that. So we, we had an idea. We said, Susan, would you come over for lunch after we get home from church? Come over and join us for lunch. Then let's go walking at Bledsoe Creek State Park. She loved to walk. So we began to engage in some shared activities together. And what does that do? That strengthens those bonds of friendship. All right, I'm not gonna go through this, but these are amazing stories of people that built friendships in their community. All right, let's go to key number three. Key number three, let's review the first two. First key is what? Intercession prayer. Second key is friendship. friendship, exactly. And the third key is service, acts of kindness, meeting practical needs in a way to share God's love. Look at Titus chapter 3, verse 14. Titus, Philemon, Hebrews, one of those little guys. Someone who would be willing to help me read Titus 3, Verse 14. Who has that? Titus chapter 3 and verse 14. Real needs. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. You'll have to look that reference up. Does anyone actually have that? Titus 3 verse 14. Yeah, please read that. And let ours also learn to maintain good works for necessary uses. They may not be unfruitful. Okay. So in order to be a fruitful church or Christian, in order to win souls, we first have to meet what kind of needs? Urgent Urgent needs. I was the ministerial director of Kentucky-Tennessee Conference for nine years, and we had about a third of our churches had not had a baptism in three to five years. And I, I believe, I really believe, a lot of the reason why we're not being fruitful is because we're not getting out in the community and just loving people in Christ's name. They're not going to come sit in our pews unless we go first, first go sit in their homes and minister practical needs. Josh, how long do I have? Is it, I need to cut? Okay, I'll wrap it up. Uh, Dorcas is an example. Did Jesus meet urgent needs? Hallelujah. He sure did. From his earliest years, he, Jesus, was possessed of one purpose. He lived to do what? To bless others. Powerful. All right, we've got to read this one. Sir, do you want to read that one off the screen? You can read that one off the screen if you want, if you can read it. So first, give Bible studies. First, do what? Meet the temporal necessities. And then you will find an open avenue to the heart where you can then plant the good seeds of virtue and religion. So we've got to start with prayer. We've got to continue with friendship and then follow up with meeting temporal necessities. And God promises... Some things are going to happen then. All right, I want to close with a story. Lots of examples. I'm going to skip that. Lots of examples. I'm impressed with what y'all are doing. Dinner with a doctor and all kinds of stuff to meet practical needs. I'm going to close. We need to open up more lanes. You ever been to Walmart? And there's a zillion people in front of you in the line. And then this clerk opens up a new lane and you breeze through it. We need to open up new ministry lanes in our community. All right. We're going to close with this story. Whoops. That's not there, but I know what it is in my head. Dale and Myrna Hacker lived in Ridgetop, Tennessee. Dale was the first elder of the Adventist church there. Myrna taught the lower grades. She was a church school teacher. And one day... Chuck and Suzanne moved from out of town to the house next to them, the vacant house. And Dale and Myrna looked out the window and says, huh, wonder who our new neighbors are? Well, it didn't stop with that. They went out and helped them unload their U-Haul truck. They had cold drinks. They invited them over for supper. They soon had them over for Saturday night socials and games. And they just bonded. They prayed for them, they befriended them, they served practical needs. Chuck and Suzanne had no interest initially in religion. But after about three years, Chuck and Suzanne began to ask questions. What makes you such lovely people? (laughs) We can't believe your kindness and they began talking about spiritual things and one thing led to another to Bible studies and eventually after seven years Chuck and Suzanne were baptized in the Ridgetop Seventh-day Adventist Church and as I sat across the table at the potluck after the baptism I was talking with Chuck and I said Chuck that's an amazing story and Chuck said to me David the best thing that's ever happened to us is moving next door to Dale and Myrna Hacker. Look, folks. Spirit of Prophecy says we would have a hundred converted into the church, whereas now we only have one if we were to do this kind of ministry. How many of you all would like to Make a recommitment this morning. Lord, use me as an instrument of your grace. Use me to pray for my neighbors in my circle of influence, to follow up with friendship and to follow that up with service. And then we'll see where you take it. How many of you would be willing this morning? God, use me. Use me. Praise God. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your love and grace. Thank you for using us as common, ordinary instruments. May the story of Dale and Myrna Hacker be repeated multiple times over in the South Bay Church as we get ready for the upcoming evangelistic meetings. In Jesus' name, amen.